Welcome to the Happy Homeschooler podcast, a digital support group for everyone interested in a learning lifestyle. I'm your host, Holly. I'm your co-host, Melody. Well, today we're going to be talking about what to do when your kids won't listen. Uh, But first, Melody, what have you been up to? My daughter and I did something a little out of the ordinary last week. We went shopping and we haven't done that in ages, but um, things wear out. And so she was shopping for a couple of items and um, I have to tell you, it was a long day and I'm glad that I don't go out and shop all the time. (laughs) Glad to be home. So did y'all literally shop until you dropped? We did. (laughs) We did shop until we dropped. We had one more stop on our list and we looked at each other and said, nah. So I don't know if we just, you know, are out of practice because we don't go out very much anymore. But we had what the most essential things came first, you know, and that last stop we decided was something we could roll over to another day. Hmm. How about you? What are you up to? Oh, um, I just realized that um, I need to get my Easter decorations up. So I um, told my husband, you know, I'm going to do some Easter decorating today. And he kindly got all the boxes of Easter items down. So that's going to be one of our tasks. And last time we visited, um, you know, I said that I wasn't getting my exercise. And so I'm happy to report that I have been consistently exercising for 50 minutes a day and I am seeing results. So um, and this little challenge I'm doing is a 50 day challenge and today is day 13. So I have a while to go, but I'm already seeing seeing results. I'm really happy about that. Oh, that's awesome. I saw that you were doing that consistently, and I'm inconsistently consistent over here. But I've gotten, <laughs> like, every other day what I wanted to get done, and I can tell a difference. So, It's um, amazing like how quickly up. our bodies respond to that little bit of everyday activity. So, so good for you, and it really doesn't take that much time. I think our brains tell us, oh, I don't have time for this, but um, we have time to do other things. And Did you say with- 50 minutes a day? Fifty-five zero. Mm-hmm. Oh my! Well, I'm doing 20 minutes a day and thinking that that is good. So, I applaud your efforts. Well, awesome. it's just a particular challenge I'm doing that requires that. But you know, for uh, I believe we shared that the CDC and other uh, places say 30 minutes a day is mm-hmm. good for adults. So, I may I may scale back to 30 minutes a day after the challenge is over. We are seeing a lot of people express that their kids are giving them challenges over schoolwork, over household activities. And so we want to address that today um, because if you can't get your kids to listen, you can't do much of anything. And that's really going to impact homeschooling and everything else. Oh, that's so true because if your children aren't listening to you, it's not going to be that pleasant. If there are things that need to be getting done and they're not, not on the team or not on board, a lot of people get really frustrated with that. Yes, it's um, it's very unhelpful when you say to a child, I need you to pick up your toys and they go do something else instead. Or they go into their room ostensibly to pick up their toys. And when you check on them later, they're building their best Lego creation ever. ever. <laughs> <laughs> or yes. when you say it's time to do whatever the subject is that you've got to tackle and they just say, no, I won't do it. Or they dawdle. Dawdling is a is another way of for a kid to say no. Um, they just they're so pokey and they take forever to get something done until you're ready to pull your hair out. 
Um, what things have you seen? What issues have you encountered where kids are not listening? What kind of behaviors and things have you seen? Well, sometimes it'll be um, like they're ignoring the parent or they're reading a book or they don't want to stop or they start complaining about um, not finished yet or um, they just don't want to. They don't want to. That's one thing. They, I don't mm-hmm. want to do that. Some or pushback. Uh-huh. A little bit of pushback. And then if we don't have skills to navigate that, it escalates and then mm-hmm. everyone's unhappy. And still, whatever it is that needed to get done isn't getting done yeah and i've i've had kids who actually said no i'm not going to do that which uh makes me very amazed but um but i've had some kids go there you know and and when we don't expect that to happen we're caught off guard and we need tools um to help us one of the things that um, i grew up in kind of a chaotic household so someday something was great and the next day I got in trouble for doing the same thing. Um, so when I became a parent, I knew I wanted to fix that. I looked, I started looking for some kind of um, a framework. Mm-hmm. And so um, I found some family rules. And once we had some family rules, that was really helpful. But before you get to family rules, you really have to understand what the different styles of parenting is and why it's important to have some expectations and to have a a framework on how you're going to deal with these things that come up because kids are going to argue and push back but you have to understand why it's important to address it because some parents are like well that's just kids kids might also another way you don't have to live in a play in an environment where people are arguing with each other all the time right right and just because that's a natural tendency of children some children um you know they some kids will push back more than others but just because that's a natural tendency doesn't mean that there's not things you want to do to help them because you're you're going to unleash these people on the world someday and they can't go into a workplace or into a college classroom and be like nope not going to do it. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't get very far in your classwork and you might not keep your job. Right. So it's important to give kids the skills and right. uh, and to have parents have skills. So um, there are three basic parenting styles. Um, Melody, do you know what parenting style you had with your kids? Or did you do any studying on that? I know you have a degree in early childhood so I would imagine oh, probably so much <laughs> let's start off by describing those for yeah our so um the parenting styles um like we said they're authoritative then uh, there's also permissive and there's authoritarian authoritative parents um the parenting style was first defined by a woman named Diane Baumrind and her idea was to focus on the ways parents attempted to control their kids. Control sounds kind of you know, like really overbearing. Um, this was back in 1966. But permissive parents, um, she says, are reluctant to impose rules and standards. And they let the kids regulate themselves. Some kids are better than others at that. Where authoritarian parents demand a sort of a blind obedience. Like my mother was kind of that. She'd say, just do as I do. And you weren't allowed to ask questions. You got in trouble. You didn't just do it. so. Yeah, yeah. And then authoritative parents, they're kind of more uh, moderate, more in the middle. So um, they would set high standards. 
be nurturing and responsive to their kids, showing respect to the kids and helping kids to have emotional support. So, um, you know, if it, so when I was a kid, sometimes if we were crying, we'd be like, we'd be told to just dry it up, you know, like stop crying. You're going to cry. I'll give you a reason Aww. to cry. Really? Yeah. Really, really tough stuff. But like sometimes if my son's upset, uh, a couple of weeks ago, we we had a plan to go do something and we couldn't because there's some construction on our road. It prevented us from leaving. And my son was very upset. And he, and he went into his room. And he, when he came back out, I said, yeah, I, I, I would feel really upset about that. You know, and are you really upset? And he said, yes. And I said, you know, I'm really upset, too. But sometimes things don't go the way we planned. So let's think of ways we can find something else to do. So I, I supported him emotionally. Um, I helped him to come up with another solution that was acceptable to us both. You know, I, I put myself on his level. Right. Kids, kids are you more know, cooperative in that case because they feel heard. Yes, exactly. People, so they just want to know that you understand what, what, how they feel. And sometimes that's all it takes. And if, you know, like if you're a person jotting down think, phrases that are helpful, that is one of the things that was so helpful is that things don't always work out the way we plan. And we, I said that a lot because um, people would get upset, things, plans would change suddenly. And I had a person who did not like sudden change. And so mm -hmm. anything outside of our plan was very distressing to them. And that phrase helped them so much over the years. Like, oh, you know, things don't always go the way we plan. And then it was, what can we do instead? Or mm -hmm. let's think of something else we can do. Uh, might not be as much fun, but we can roll our plan over to another day because right. life is full of disappointments like that oh, when things yes. don't go the way you plan and you've got to understand that you just roll with it. Um, right. But you can pause and be upset about it before you move on. Yes. Um, and that's the thing is uh, we want to give our kids tools for dealing with things that are frustrating or aggravating or annoying and and one of the tools can't be yelling or not doing it, you know, stomping not, around. Right. Um, and so learning our parenting styles. And if we have a parenting style that's not helpful, finding steps to change that parenting style. Um, again, because I grew up in a family where we just really didn't have a lot of empathy from our parents. Um, I had to learn a lot about how to interact with my kids and a lot and some of it I went back to how I felt as a kid when I my feelings weren't being heard or they were being dismissed you know and and just um having consistent rules in place that helped me to stay on the right page and help my kids to know what to expect those solved a lot of problems for us and every family is going to have different things that they want as their family rules. Um, I was surprised to find out in researching this episode that the CDC offers a lot of information on um, parenting and creating family rules. Um, I'm amazed. So I would never think to look there for. I, I would not have myself either. But um, it's a very good resource that is suitable for people of all um, backgrounds it, because it's some people aren't religious, so they, they wouldn't look for, um, you know, parenting information from religious people. It's a very nice, basic guidance. So I highly recommend going to take a look at that, especially if what you're doing right now isn't working and you need some help on your parenting. 
So do you feel like you grew up in a permissive home? Oh, absolutely not. In fact, I remember when I was a kid, um, my father liked to show us off like dogs to uh, if we were like in a gathering with some other people and he would call us and he would say, um, sit and we would just sit and then he'd say stand and we'd stand. And I, I really remember thinking that, that was pretty awful. But no, my parents were authoritarian and we were very obedient because if you weren't obedient, you just it was really so unpleasant. You didn't want to go there. Um and I had some friends who had permissive parents, which we haven't really talked about much. Yeah, what does that look like? Well, it looks like the kids are running the show. Um, so some people that um, I saw in families where the parents were permissive, the kids would basically tell the mom, I want this for dinner. Um, get me this or that. Or the parents would say things like, um, you probably should go brush your teeth. Like, you know, I don't think dental care is kind of a arbitrary thing, but they would give the kids more um, ability to regulate themselves mm -hmm. instead of imposing their rules and standards. Uh, one of the things that I saw that I thought was amazing was um, my niece, when she, with her first child, said to him, do you want to take a nap? And I asked her, um, does he honestly have a choice about that? Because you just asked him whether he wants to or not. Asking your children what they want to do is a kind of a permissive stance. Um, like sometimes when they get older, obviously you're going to offer choices. But um, well, that's different. Yeah, because that's not it, do you want to do it or not. That's which of these choices that I know are good for you. Would you like to choose? Yes. Um, and not, you know, like I, I had friends in uh, one of the neighborhoods we lived in. So she was a permissive mom. She wanted to be her child's friend. She wanted to. Um, Oh, I can't quite put it into words, but they asked the, the child, who was five, uh, whether or not he wanted to move. <laughs> and so... <laughs> that, That's hilarious. Well, I couldn't believe that they were going to put this huge decision uh, on this small child's back. And also, like, of the houses, wanted him to decide which one to live in. And I, I remember just thinking, he's too young to be able to make that kind of a decision. That family... I'm not in contact with them anymore, but my heart went out to them because there were just so many things where I don't think the parents realized they were setting themselves up for distress. Oh, sure. But they had a lot of situations come up, and she just, you know, couldn't figure out why it was so difficult. And I thought it was pretty obvious. Yeah, um, I think people that are permissive have, they're well-intentioned. They're mm -hmm. very well-intentioned. They don't want to run roughshod over their child. But children need guidance, and they need leadership. You know, uh, friendly, loving leadership, but still, as the parent, it's our job to help our children navigate that bumpy road that's called childhood and adolescence to adulthood. It's, it doesn't have to be as bumpy if they have a kind person leading the way. Right. So, um, Sometimes yeah. the way we parent is either a reaction to the way we were brought up or a reflection of if it was really good and we felt loved and cared for. And um, we tend to do what our parents, I mean, I always hear my mother's words coming out of my mouth. Uh -huh. And sometimes that's really excellent. And then occasionally it's like, oh, I don't think I liked it when that was the way we did things when I was a kid. My parents were basically authoritative mm -hmm. and more balanced. But at the same time, we knew that when mom and dad said something, they meant it. And sure. it was because, you know, like if you see your child six and a run into the road and a car is coming and you yell, stop you want them to stop 
to sure. save their life. And so there right. are those times when, yes, you need to be able to listen and obey and follow instructions. And um, somehow they they did a good job. I felt like with us where we knew we knew we needed to listen and obey mom and dad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really good. Um, I did not have authoritative parents. I had authoritarian parents. They were um, they were harder to talk to. You just couldn't bring some things up with them. And they just, um, even as we got into the teenage years, they were just more like, these are rules, do them, don't, don't ask questions. And I didn't enjoy that. So as a parent um, to my children, I have chosen the authoritative model where, um, you know, I, I still have standards for my kids, but we can have conversations about things. And if there's something going on that they they feel um, they want to talk to me about um, a rule that we have or whatever, I'm willing to have conversations about it. And I think that's much better. And my children, uh, my adult children and I all are friends now. Um, we we actually seek out each other's company, which is a great joy to me. And I think that is because when I was raising them, you know, I, I gave them a lot of consideration, but I also had standards for them to follow. And I think they knew how much I loved them and that the things we did were based in um, decisions that were for the best for them. So um, right. hopefully, hopefully that's how they feel. But that's my view of it. Right. I hope so. You know, I had a really good friend who occasionally when my children and her children were all in that middle school, junior high period of time where they're starting to make some of their own decisions. And she was so good at saying, instead of saying, that's a terrible idea. No, you can't do that. She would say, well, what's your plan? Mm -hmm. So she had a way to like come alongside them and help them figure out a good way to do something instead of just being authoritarian and saying no. Um, but she was protecting them and helping them think through some things that they maybe didn't think of because they yeah. don't know at that age that what's they don't know all the dangers out in the world. Mm-hmm. But um, just the way that she would, like you said, come alongside, coach them, coaching them into adulthood. It was a real joy to see. And I was really thankful that my children had the benefit of being around another mom who was authoritative. We're going to take a short break to hear a word from our sponsor. When we return, we'll talk about more reasons why you're having troubles in this area. And guess what, parents? It's not only on you. Our podcast today is sponsored by Transcript Maker. It's an online service that allows you to create professional high school transcripts in the comfort of your own home. You know, sometimes our parenting styles can change depending on our mood. And nothing puts me in a worse mood than having to mess with an Excel spreadsheet. Yeah, I've been there. That's what's so great about Transcript Maker. You can just plug in your info and let it calculate your GPA for you and don't ruin your day. Exactly. And you can get your 14-day free trial at www.transcriptmaker.com. And I'll tell you what else will make you happy is if you use our code HAPPY, H-A-P-P-Y in all caps, when you decide to subscribe. Right. You get a 20% discount with that code. Yep. Transcript Maker. Simply Better Transcripts. So let's get back into more discussion on why we can't get our kids to listen. In the first half, we talked about how one of the reasons could be your parenting style, and we explored what they were. But those aren't the only issues we encounter that are causing these problems. So why are we having these issues? That's what we need to explore. 
Right. Well, first of all, we're human beings and we are not perfect. And so um, relationships between people sometimes get a little prickly. And if we don't have skills, we don't always navigate those things very well. And sometimes we find that um, our child is having a bad day and we're not realizing it. <laughs> so, right. So some- sometimes it's just... The way your child's feeling that day. Yeah. So some some of the issues are on the parents and some of the issues are on the kids. Um, you know, we, we're all familiar with the Peanuts cartoon where the adults are talking and they're going, mop, 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 mop. So I think a lot of times we as parents, we think we're offering some clear communication to our kids. Um, but what they hear is mop, 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 mop. Because... Uh, Parent thinking and kid thinking aren't always aligned. So my daughter, um, sometimes I would tell her that I wanted her to do a certain thing. And in her mind, it was like, yep, I'll do it at some point in the day. But my thinking was, uh, do it now. However, I didn't communicate that information. So, um, you know, parent communication is a big part of why kids aren't doing the things we want them to do. And we, we as parents need to realize that sometimes children think in very concrete ways that we don't think anymore. So uh, we have to do a little bit better of a job at expressing ourselves clearly. Feed the cat now. Yes. You can it's watch TV at three, you know, things like that. Specifics. And also just some concrete language because I've heard people say, for example, while we're in church, I want you to be good. You know, what does it mean be good at church instead of them saying, I want you to sit quietly next to me or even um, chew with your mouth closed. Just (laughs) give Mm -hmm. some specific, give information. I think a lot of times we say something thinking that our children know what we mean and they they don't. And so, you know, for while we're in the store, I want you to walk next to me and ask the permission before touching anything. I had Mm -hmm. a real uh, into it. What's the word I'm looking for? Tactile kid. Yes. And they wanted to touch everything. So that just being specific like that um, helped us not end up with a lot of extra things in our basket. (laughs) You know, ask permission before touching anything or even just to say, you know, it's time for you to say goodbye and come inside. We just need to give them more clear cut instructions. They are concrete thinkers. And so we've got to communicate our expectations in concrete language and tell them what to do because that's the other thing I hear stop that a lot mm-hmm. stop that I'm like okay then <laughs> <laughs> what you know so uh, a little just, work at the beginning can help eliminate some of those things as well so um, with my children when we were getting ready to go somewhere I would explain we're going to go to this place we're going to be doing this thing these things will happen here's what I want you to do if you don't know what to do, you need to ask me. Don't just go off on your own trying to figure it out. So they they knew before we left. Um, I have a friend whose youngest daughter, when she was about three, uh, when they pulled up into their driveway at home, the little girl was old enough to unbuckle her car seat. And so she would unbuckle her car seat. And when the doors were opening, she would jump out and she would run into the road. Oh, and the mom was uh, said, you know, I'm not I'm not sure what I need, what I should do about this. And I said, well, you know, there are several things, but you need to set the expectation beforehand. Like, hey, we're going to be pulling up in the driveway. And when we unbuckle our seatbelts, we're all walking into the house. 
you know, and that, that helped that little girl. She was just kind of impulsive and she was, she was free. So she didn't know what to do with her freedom. So she'd run, run to the neighbor's yard, whatever, but, you know, giving them information. And that seems silly to us. We know when we get home, we're going into the house, but we don't know what the kid is thinking. Right. Or when you get somewhere, like I wanted my children to all stay. We were going to go in together, partly because I had seven. I didn't want to lose someone. So it's like, right. wait by the car till everybody's unbuckled and then we'll all go in together. But just right. to establish that beforehand. Right. Same thing with schoolwork or anything. You, We're going to do this. We're going to need to do it for this long. And then we're going to do this next thing. It's just helpful. I mean, we don't want people to spring stuff on us. So um, if we want our kids to be cooperative with the, the activities, you know, we need to give them communication. We also need to explain to them why sometimes. So um, about a year ago, my son, who's now eight, um, he just didn't want to do his schoolwork because let's face it, playing with Legos and bouncing on an exercise ball and climbing on the swing set is infinitely more fun than adding numbers. Mm -hmm. But as I explained to him, it's the state law that you have to be educated. And that if I, as his parent, didn't make sure he was educated, either at home or in a public school or a private school, I, as the parent, could be subject to legal action. And that was not acceptable. And that he, as a person who doesn't know how to add and subtract and all those things that you have to learn, he has to be educated. And so it was really interesting. Once I explained that to him, and it wasn't just I was trying to ruin his day and get in the way of him and his very... Um, interesting activities, he started to get more on board with uh, participating more willingly in his schoolwork. He had to do it when he didn't really want to, but he, it did change his attitude uh, somewhat. And if you have a kid who's got why-itis and they, they say why about everything, one of the reasons is that they might have ADHD. There are a whole host of things that kids might do, and we are, we're going to explore the topic of ADHD in our learning challenges series in the future. Um, and of course, we're not making any diagnoses, but there are reasons why sometimes kids are having a hard time following our instructions and they may have some issues, uh, ADHD or, um, you know, other learning challenges. They could be on the autism spectrum. Um, there, there are reasons why and there are ways to fix these issues. Right. So it helps to know if you're dealing with some developmental issue or a, a challenge of some sort or if they're just being um, obstinate that day. And sometimes they're just asking why to get out of it. But sometimes it's because that's the way their brain works. They need to know why and they are trying to figure things out. And it's really helpful to know what you what's going on. Right. And uh, one of my um, several of my children had anxiety. I didn't I didn't notice it as much early on as later on in my parenting, but those kids that had anxiety, which is another issue that can affect the ability of your child to listen and to do their schoolwork is because they had concerns or they were uneasy about something that was going on around them. So um, again, these are things we're going to cover in our learning challenges series, but sometimes it is, it is on the kids. Sometimes it is on the parents and sometimes it's a combination of both. Mm hmm. So we talked about these issues, and now um, I think it will be fun to talk about how we're going to fix the issues or how to fix some of the issues. And Melody, I know you have a lot of, you've had a lot of really great creative um, things that you did with your kids. Can you share some of the things that you've done when your kids weren't cooperating? Uh, well, let's see. Uh, there's so many to choose from. 
Um, like I had a child who, very logical, probably would have been good at debate, but they would like to argue mm. with me about things. And I think that sometimes as parents, we are so focused on getting things done that we will just we'll just engage in an argument and then oh yes you know just <laughs> they'll say something we'll say something back and then before you know it you're for some reason you're arguing with this young child and I did learn to sometimes to just say I'm not going to argue with you about this you know just to kind of short circuit that basically they're trying to get out of doing something by challenging what I've mm -hmm. asked them to do we just have to be the adults and so it's like. I'm not going to argue with you about that. Uh, it's time to feed the dog or whatever. Or they'll challenge me with some comeback for maybe it's not their turn. Or it should be someone else's turn or whatever. And I did learn to say things like, you know, um, sometimes it was, you already said that. <laughs> the trash <laughs> still needs to be taken out. Just to have ways to respond to them without engaging in an argument. And uh, sometimes that would be, you know, some reason why they didn't, need to go to bed right now and I would learn to say nevertheless it is bedtime and it's time for you to go to bed so avoiding arguments just to like deflate an argument just to not mm -hmm. not rise to that challenge but to just let the air out of that and move on was one of the best things I learned especially when I had a number of children to manage and we needed to keep our routine moving forward I didn't have time to stand there and argue with somebody about whether or not it was fair or right. their turn, or should they be asked to do such a thing? That's um, where having uh, family rules and um, and chore charts and things like that are very helpful because you're not having to reinvent the wheel and try to decide something on the spur of the moment. So if uh, if you have a chore chart, my kids um, they had a rotation of chores, and so um, and they also had a rotation of privileges. So right. back in the day when kids could sit up front in the car, there was a lot of arguing about who could sit up front. Um, I ended up, because I had five at that time, everyone had an assigned seat in the van and a day of the week. And so if it was your day of the week, you got to be the upfront person that day. You got to collect the mail. So nobody had to argue about it anymore. We didn't have to keep covering that ground, which is <laughs> exhausting for parent yeah. and child. Um, we, we weren't drawn into endless discussions. So um, Well, then it's fair because that I mean obviously for children it is fair because they know they'll have a turn and mm -hmm. it's not something that you're just deciding on the spur of the moment there's a plan and so right. that builds a lot of security yes it does and I think that's where some of the um, problems also stem when kids are not cooperative is that they're feeling insecure about something they feel like maybe um, you have put too undue of a burden on them or they're not getting something they need. And so they're looking for it in other ways. Uh, of course, kids don't think that way. They don't think, well, I don't think my mom spent enough time with me today, so I'm going to cause a ruckus. That's not the way it, you know, they don't hash that out in their brain or this is hard to understand, so I'm not going to do it. Um, they just don't behave quite as well as you would hope. And we actually covered some of this in a previous episode um, about dealing with resistance. So if you haven't heard that episode, um, it's a great companion to this one. That's uh, true. What other things have you run into in the course of your day? Well, my oldest daughter um, had an undiagnosed math learning disability. It wasn't diagnosed till she was in high school and she did not like to do math. Um, so one day, you know, I would say, hey, uh, we're going to do math. 
Well, she didn't want to do it when I told her. So I, I did, I did also learn that sometimes you can offer choices and I, it didn't matter to me really if we did math first, second, last, it just, we had to do it. So I would say to her, you know, when would you like to do math? And so she could pick that helped a little bit, but one day she just, I think, you know, we were learning decimals or something that was really hard for her. And she said, she just didn't want to do her math. And I thought, okay, well, she has to learn that math is really in everything we do. So I said to her, you don't have to do math today. And she was really happy until it was lunchtime. And she asked me to cut her sandwich into kitty corners. And I said, I couldn't do that because that was a form of geometry, which was math. And then she wanted me to make Kool-Aid so we could have Kool-Aid at lunch. And I said, I couldn't do that because measuring was math. And after a few more of these interchanges, she said, give me my math paper. I'll go do it. And my, my point was, sometimes, you know, you can't say to the child, you have to do it, just do it. Or you can find some kind of a creative way to drive the point home. And, and I was very sweet and friendly, but I can't cut your sandwich like yes, that. Yes, you weren't doing mess either. <laughs> right, yeah. And so, um, you know, that helped. Or sometimes you have to do, you know, run a little end game around them. But a lot of times fixing the issues, I think, again, it just goes back to those clear expectations and that that information. So when our family rules, we actually took time to go over each rule, one rule a week until we got through them. We have 21. And uh, I had coloring pages that went with them. And we talked about the rules and why they were important. Um, so my kids didn't, they didn't think I just made them up to ruin their lives. Right. Um, you know, if we one of the rules is if we get something out, we put it away. Nothing is more frustrating than looking for your scissors. And all my kids have experienced that. Well, where were the scissors? Oh, they were in somebody's room. Well, I wanted to use them. That's why we have that rule. When you get it out, you put it away. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the rules are there to make life better for all of us, not to ruin someone's life. So kids need to, you really need to understand and communicate to them why you have the rules. And kids also can have an opportunity to make some rules. Some of their rules are hilarious. <laughs> Do you have examples? <laughs> oh, I don't have an example off the top of my head, but like, you know, maybe they want to eat ice cream on the third Sunday of every month. Oh, because <laughs> So why? Yeah, you know, and, and you can also like, so permissive parents might bribe a kid to get them to do what they want. If you do this, I'll give you, I hear parents at the store all the time. If you behave, you can have a candy bar. Okay, that's a bad idea to set a precedent of you misbehaved, but now you stop that, so I give you something. Um, but like my kids, if they achieve certain goals or they they got all their chores done or something, they could earn little tickets to go shopping in our treasure box. You know, as adults, we mm -hmm. get rewards, do mm -hmm. these things, get a bonus. Right. It's not saying, hey, you were bad, and if you stop being bad, I'll give you something. It's if you meet these goals, I'll give you something, which is totally different. It is different. It's the difference between if this, then that, which is kind of bribey, but when, when this has occurred, then we can all do this other thing. And so I, just as a, may, a way to say something, instead of saying if you, say when. Mm -hmm. When you finish picking up your toys, then we can go outside or then we can have a treat or then you can do whatever you want. But um, just sometimes I think the way we say things, we need to be mindful of whether or not we're setting our, our families up for success and a positive you know, environment or if we are inadvertently <laughs> setting the stage for a big argument. Right. Exactly. 
Well, we could discuss this topic for a long, long time, and we'll probably revisit it in the future. Yeah, and I think that we've given our listeners a lot of things to think about, a little bit of homework for right now, and some things to mull over. We usually have a big question, but today's topic was a question so big that it had to be its own episode. So if you have additional questions we didn't cover, please email us at happyhomeschoolpod at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at underscore homeschoolpod. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at happyhomeschoolpod. Or look for us on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Holly. I'm Melody. Happy homeschooling. Hi, this is your host, Holly Williams-Zerbaum. Thank you for listening to the Happy Homeschooler podcast, a transcript maker production. My co-host is Melody Gillum. This episode was produced by Matthew Bass and edited by Nora Williams. Our graphic design is by Pete Soloway, and our music is by The Great Pangolin. You can find her music on YouTube and Twitter at Kylie Wins. That's K-A-I-L-E-Y Wins. If you'd like to help our podcast grow, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Or as always, tell people about us. And when we return, we'll talk more about how to address the issues that these communicate. <laughs>